our Father, our friend, our Savior. God, we, man, I pray that we would know that, that we would feel that, that we would experience that, that you are not a harsh God, an angry God, ticked off at us, but you are a, you're a friend and you love us. And you want to lavish your grace and your mercy on us. I pray that that would come to us today. That, that would be clear. We would get that from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. We pray this in your great name. Amen. Hey, please have a seat. Thank you so much for being here. Kids, what is up? Welcome to the barn. I know you haven't been here for a while since you've been gone. We got some heaters in here. And it's, they're working so good we had to turn them off because they got so hot. I know you guys, kids, you, you guys got little cozy worm sheds up there that you hang out in. I don't know if everybody knows this, but this used to be a worm farm, and those are worm sheds that we put the kids in, which is fitting. We call our kids worms sometimes. They're little worms. We put the worms in the worm shed. Anyways, welcome to the barn, kids. Thank you for joining us, everybody who showed up. Uh, let me just start with some confession, all right, for the kids, right? Usually we would end with confession. Let's start with some confession. Not my confession, your the kids' confession. Uh, how many of you have ever made a mess and then expected an adult to clean it up? Oh, one? <laughs> a couple. A couple. How many of you have made a huge mess? I mean, like, you know, dude, perfect, like, rage monster mess. Like, you just destroy the place, and you expect an adult to clean it up. Some of you guys made some some big ones? I believe it. Yesterday, we just carved some pumpkins with my kids, and we were done carving. They just walked away. And I was like, what? Am I supposed to clean this up? But I actually knew that I was going to clean it up, so we did it outside, and I just took the hose out and just started to spray it down. So I'm... I'm familiar with this drill with our, uh, with our kids. Kids, did you know that adults make a mess sometimes? Did you guys know that? Adults make huge messes, like a giant mess. And then we expect the kids to clean it up. Ad- adults have made a giant mess of this world, and we are hoping that the kids are going to clean it up for us, that the next generation is going to clean it up. Isn't that that right, adults? Is that true? Come on. We have made a giant mess in so many ways, right? Politically, culturally, socially, economically, spiritually, we've made a mess. And we're hoping the next generation is going to come up with some new ideas. We need some new plans. We need some new leadership, right? November 8th, it's coming up. Some of you, have you guys been paying attention? It's getting interesting, okay? If you're a Republican, you, you're probably stoked. If you're a Democrat, you're getting ticked probably because, the, because of the polls. We're hoping that, that, uh, that new leadership maybe for some of you is, is the way to the future is going gonna, is gonna to clean up that mess. We're putting faith in that. Is that what we should be putting faith in though? No, not at all. We should be putting faith not in new leadership, but in our existing leadership, in the eternal leadership, the leadership that's always been and the the leader that will always be. Who is that leader, kids? Jesus. Yeah, that's right. They know it. They know who that is. The answer to to who's going to clean up the mess 
because Jesus, he already has worked to clean it up and he will make everything right in the future. And let me just be clear, I'm not, I'm not saying you shouldn't be excited about politics, you shouldn't vote or anything like that, absolutely not. This is going to be an interesting election on, on the 8th, I think you should grab some popcorn and watch the fireworks. If Christine Drazen gets elected, there will be some fireworks, at least fire, in Portland. If there's, if there's anything left to burn, it will probably burn again. Don't you think? Listen, Republican or Democrat, I'm just saying that we're not like, I'm, I'm not pushing an agenda here. I'm just saying these are the facts. Let's get some popcorn and let's see what happens, you know? But that's not where our faith is. Our faith is in Jesus Christ, our Lord, not in new leadership. Let's talk about why new leadership is not going to do it for us. Why, why, is, why will new leadership not work? New leadership is not new. We have done new leadership since the beginning of time. We have put new leaders in power, and what do we get? The same thing. We go, we go in cycles. I've been doing a little research this week. I've had a couple conversations. I listened to a podcast, and then I looked into this book that talks about the cycles in generations. They're very similar. There's a pattern. If you just reduce it down to the most basic level, you, you think of boom and bust, right? What comes after boom? Bust. And what comes after bust? Boom. You think of a generation of, of rule-following moralists, who comes after them? Hippies. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was just for the baby boomers <laughs> who rebel a little bit in the, in the 60s and 70s. That's a little oversimplified. There's actually four different pieces to this pattern from uh, Mark Sayers, who I listened to his podcast. He had a lot to say about this. And then through a conversation with Rick Smith of Smith & Steel, who I don't know if you know him, he's from Salem. Uh, but uh, he and I were talking, he had all kinds of thoughts on generations, and he pointed me to the book entitled Generations, which was written in 1991 by Strauss and, and Howe, uh, and they came up with a couple uh, names for these different cycles. But I'm going to scramble them all up and try to give you what I, what I was able to reduce since we only have a few minutes here. What are the cycles of, of generations? There's builders, there's maintainers, there's neglectors and destroyers. Build, maintain, neglect, and destroy. And repeat <laughs> over and over again since the beginning of time. I mean, if you think about that, this is what the story of, uh, of the Old Testament is. The rise and fall of the Jewish Empire. And then a lot, of, a lot of history has been done about the Roman Empire, the British Empire. And then what do we have now? America. The American Empire. And the story still being written in our... In our uh, in our little empire here. We started with world, let's, recent history, World War II. Let me give you an example of this. World War II, what happened? We saw an incredible generation, the greatest generation sometimes it's referred to. 18, 19, 20 years old. They go off and we, if you, I don't know, if you've done any research at all, you can picture the, uh, the, the guys storming the beaches of Normandy, right? To go, to go and defeat evil. And they, they have success. They're heroes. They come back to our nation, and they have this confidence, and they have this momentum. And what do they do? They build. They build institutions. They build schools and hospitals and businesses. And, the, and society flourishes because of the, of the building that the World War II generation does. 
And then we've got baby boomers that came behind them that helped to maintain after they rebelled for a while in the 60s and 70s, that helped maintain the, the world that we know of, the civilization that we know of in this country, continued the work of these, of these institutions. And then who do we have? My generation, Generation X, the next generation, millennials. What, what are Generation X and millennials doing? Not all of you, of course. I don't wanna like paint you all as these neglectors and destroyers. But if we think about in mass, I think we've started to take for granted the work that our grandparents and our great grandparents did. The sacrifices that were made to build the, 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 the safety and the security that we have today. Am I right? We're starting to see it. That the, the civilizational decline is starting to, starting to show up. We, it appears that we are well into this third phase of the generational cycle. We're not quite to destroy yet, but if the pattern plays out, that's what's coming next. The church is following the same pattern. Brian last week told a story about Billy Graham and the incredible work that he did, the millions of people that came to know Jesus. There's Hybels, and then there's Rick Warren that were, that were just going crazy, building the church to help people, to support people. They were doing a phenomenal thing. They remembered what they, what they wanted to do. The church is for society. The church is for the world to display the, uh, the, God's wisdom, the manifold wisdom of God. And then what's happened? We've started to neglect it. We've started to take it for granted. We don't remember why it was built. We start to think the church is for me. The church is for my situation. It's for my pleasure. The music, the teaching, the donuts. I don't know. This is for me. The church is for me. And if I'm not happy, I'm out. It's starting to get neglected. We're starting to see the church kind of decline like, like we're starting to see civilization decline. The world is a mess. Culturally, socially, politically, economically, spiritually. If we're, if we're honest, we can, we can agree with that statement. The church is a mess. Who is going to clean up the mess? Not the kids, yeah, not you. It's too much pressure. Why does God let us chase our tail and run this rat race and just continue the cycle? Why does God let us just keep going and get nowhere? If we look at verse 11 of our, of our passage today, we say, or he says, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's the eternal purpose that we would see our inability to clean up our own mess that we've made. It's the eternal purpose that we would see our powerlessness to clean up the mess that we've made. The eternal purpose is to see our inability, but the purpose is to see God's ability, to see our powerlessness, but to see God's power, God's plan, and God's purpose that he realized, that he accomplished, that he finished with Christ Jesus, our Lord. That is the one who has the power to clean up the mess. The eternal leader that I talked about. It's not new leadership. Jesus has been in power since the beginning. He's in power now 
he'll be in power forever. The kids know this answer. The kids can, can repeat the answer. It's Jesus. But the question is, how does this get worked out in our lives and in our world? The way to ditch the roller coaster, the way to get off this rat race of chasing our tail, build, maintain, neglect, destroy, is through access to our leader. Access to the king. Access to Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's look at verse 12. Verse 12, I'll, I'll just go back just a second and say, Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. If you think about somebody who's trying to get something done, an organization that's trying to, to, to resolve a problem or clean up a mess, like to, to create a law or to, to, to keep a law from being, from being enacted, what, what do they do? Who do they hire? They hire a lobbyist firm, right? They hire a lobbyist to go to Washington and to lobby on their behalf because lobbyists have access to power. You think another way this gets played out, how many gym owners and uh, restaurant owners wanted access to Cape Brown over the last couple of years? Just to tell them what they thought of some of her plans. Or business owners, or, or so many people that wanted to contact our leadership, not just Kate Brown, I'm not trying to just throw her under the bus, but like all of our leadership to, to, to tell them what we thought about whatever the rules were being enacted through, through COVID. Access to power is how we can get things done and how we can clean up the mess. Keller has this great illustration, Tim Keller. says, who has access to a king? To wake up a king in the middle of the night and look for help in their time of need. Who has access to a king to do that? To shake a king awake and say, I need your help with something. I'm, I'm, I'm desperate. I need your help. Please help me. Who has access to a king like that? The son or the daughter of the king. That's the only one that has access to the king in that way. That is the access that we have to our king and to our father. To go to him in our greatest time of need. If we pull up Hebrews 4.16... Actually, I don't know if you got it. I'll read it. Let us then with confidence, there's confidence again, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. This is how we have access, to draw near to the throne of grace. Remember, there is no separation between us and the king any longer. That separation was sin. That separation is gone. Jesus Christ handled our separation and our sin on the cross. That is gone now. That There is nothing. There is no barrier in between us and God. We have complete access. The veil was torn. We have so much access that God now lives inside of us. That's the kind of access we have to our King. The Holy Spirit, through faith, when we believe in Jesus Christ and His death on the cross comes and lives inside of us to help us in our greatest time of need. We have access with the word of God right here. Reading, 
his plans, his purposes, his solutions to our problem, problems. We have access to the words of God right here, and we have access to what? To bend God's ear whenever we want. We get to go to him in prayer, not just once, not just occasionally, but all the time. Access to, to ask God for help in our greatest time of need. And we have access to a God that's not harsh and angry. Not a God that wants to yell at us and, and, and point his finger at us and say, I told you, you guys just keep doing the same thing. That's not the God we serve. We serve a God that is gentle and lowly. A God that says, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, all you who have incredible struggles, all you who are, 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 are in desperation, and I will give you rest. Come to me in your greatest time of need, and I will give you help. Is what Hebrews just said. Kids, this means for you guys, when you screw something up, you have access to God, to Jesus, to find forgiveness, to find grace and mercy in your greatest time of need. And adults, we have access when we make a mess of our finances, of our marriages, of our relationships of our lives. We have a God that is that is ready to scoop us up. That is ready to hear hear from us. A God that really loves us and wants to help us. He helps us in our in our own lives and he can help us clean up the mess of this world. Through this access to the king, we receive boldness and confidence through faith to participate in the rebuilding of our lives in the world that have been neglected and destroyed. No chance you caught all that. That was way too long. I'm going to read it again. Through the access we have to the king, we receive boldness and confidence through faith in Jesus to participate in the rebuilding of our lives and our world that we have neglected and destroyed. Once we have access to the king, once we've been helped, once we receive that boldness and confidence, what do we do? Let's build something, right? Let's do something. Let's get off the, that, that cycle, that rat race, and let's help rebuild the world that's been neglected and is being destroyed. That's the beauty of this, of this passage. That's the beauty of access to the king. It just isn't just for you. It is for boldness and confidence so that we, can, that we can band together and we can do something like our previous generations have to help the world flourish, to help God accomplish his plan and his purpose. We can create God-honoring, God-worshiping, God-glorifying businesses to provide jobs for the jobless. And with those profits, we can maybe provide some homes for the homeless along the way. We can elect and we can build a government of God-honoring, God-worshiping, God-glorifying people that will support the immigrant as well as the unborn. We need 
to rebuild this place. We need to get off of the rat race and remember the secret sauce, remember what is needed in order to rebuild. It's access to the king. That's how things get done. That's how this mess gets cleaned up. And we build institutions. But the most important institution that, that we are passionate about here is the institution that Paul mentioned in verse 10. You remember that from last week? The institution that's meant to display the manifold wisdom of God. The institution that is us, the church. This is the institution that we are passionately desiring to build. In the midst of a, a decline of, of church attendance, church commitment, church sacrifice, church giving, church involvement. We want to push back. And we want to see the church flourish just like this church plant has flourished. A couple ways that, that we're doing that is through church planting, seeing this church finish planting this church, and then through THX. That's what we're, that's what we're calling our Finish Strong campaign. We're trying to finish strong this year. We're trying to raise some money, and we're trying to get some people excited about this vision. Church planting is how we're going to push back on the decline of church, okay? We want you guys to join with us. We want you to commit to this church, to help us serve, help us or join community groups, and then we want to push you guys through this uh, class called Equip. It's an intense discipleship program that's meant to equip the saints for ministry so that at the end of that class we have new leaders that can either take over the leadership of this church or be deployed into the community in the Willamette Valley and start some new churches. We need your time and we need your money to make that happen. We also want to finish planning this church. That means we need your time to help us serve for setting up and tearing down, which is a tough place to get people to serve. And also kids. That's the other toughest place to get people to help and to serve. When we open a new classroom, we're just going to have more opportunities to serve. Please consider giving of your time. Please consider giving of your money because we do need to, to finish that classroom. That's going to take a few bucks. But we also want to hire a few more people to support this body throughout the week, Monday through Friday. And then finally, THX. THX is our flagship outreach event. This is what we've done for 15 years to try to get into the community and try to help people. If you haven't heard about this, it's a Thanksgiving Day outreach that we do. We're supporting 50 families here in Silverton. We're doing another 50 families in Salem. We're trying to raise some money and get some support, get some help to volunteer to pull this off once again this year. We're going to be delivering a Thanksgiving meal fully cooked and ready to go for, uh, for these families. Uh, that, that means we need people to show up here in Silverton on Thanksgiving morning. I, if, you got, if you're not out of town and you're not cooking your own meal for Thanksgiving, I know you got nothing to do. You got to come and join us, hang out with us for an hour. We'll have all the stuff ready for you. You pack it in your car and you take off and you deliver it to these families. That's what we've done in the past, but listen, this year we want people to actually adopt the families. We want you to make contact with the families. We want you to find out if there's other needs for the families, like do they need pajamas? Do they need help with their utilities? What way can the church support these families? We want you, if you sign up to help us on THX on Thanksgiving morning, we want you to actually make contact with them and see if there's anything else we can do besides one meal on one day. 
and we're also doing toys, and we might also do Christmas trees. We need your time, and we need your money to help pull this off. The week of Thanksgiving, we got a couple ways that you can help out. The Saturday before, we're doing toy shopping. Audrey Rognes is going to lead that for us. Uh, the Saturday before, we also need to pick up 110 turkeys. I, I think we secured those. It's like 2500 bucks for the turkeys. I got to pick them up on Saturday. We need to get them into a fridge. I'm about to spend two grand to, to order a giant fridge to let these things thaw out. If you know of a refrigerated truck, you need to let me know so that we don't have to spend two grand on a refrigerator being delivered. That's the other thing on Saturday. The third thing on Saturday was we're picking up Christmas trees if we can find them. Sunday, uh, Ashley, Ashley Kinsey's going to lead uh, gift wrapping. Thank you, Ashley, for, for doing that. Gift wrapping up here. We need like 25 or more people. We've got to sort all the toys into the right families, and then we need to wrap them all and get them organized for the, for the, for the day of. Monday, we're cooking sides. Okay, Holly Kintz is going to lead that for us. Um, we're cooking sides at Canyon View. We need a few people to sign up for that. Thursday, we're cooking turkeys. I'm sorry to like blast you with all this, but I don't think we communicated what, what all is involved. We're cooking turkeys, two shifts. We're, we're triggering 55 turkeys from 10 to 4 on that Tuesday, and then another 55 turkeys from uh, 4 to 10. We're going to be standing in the rain. Guys, I need like 20 of you to come and do that with us. It's actually the, the greatest thing ever. Sign up for that. There's going to be some sign-ups in the back for all of this stuff. Wednesday, we need help prepping. We need help with admin to get everything sorted, to get everything ready, so that Thursday, once again, people can show up, we can hang out, and deliver these meals. Those are the three ways this church is trying to rebuild what has been neglected and destroyed. That's what we're doing right now to do that. Let me try to put a bow on this, and then we'll, and then we'll go to a time of worship and communion. When we put our faith in the next generation of leaders, we will end up with fear and uncertainty, not boldness and confidence. But Jesus Christ, our Lord, our eternal King, the one who's always been, the one who always will be, he can clean up this mess for us. He already did the work to clean up the mess in our lives.